Thanks for joining me on this Cleveland baseball morning. The final from Progressive Field in Cleveland. It's the Chicago Cubs 7, your Cleveland Indians 1. I'm Davey Barris, lifelong Cleveland baseball fan, and I want to talk about the actual game on the field, a thing I enjoy watching baseball being played. And now, before we talk about that, unfortunately, there are some circumstances sometimes in throughout the season in life where I'm going to have to talk about them. And definitely what's going on right now with Clevenger and Plesak is something I'm going to have to talk about because it obviously affected the game yesterday. And if you if you don't know, if you haven't heard yet, uh, Plesak and Clevenger went out onto the town in Chicago. I, they haven't even said what they really did. Uh, went out with some friends or something like that. And Plesak fessed up to it. They put him in a rental car and he drove back to Cleveland. Clevenger didn't fess up to it, was trying to defend Plesak, sat in a team meeting and flew back on the team plane. And everybody's really mad at him because uh, Carrasco is on that plane. Carrasco, who beat cancer and is high risk, is on that plane. Some of the coaches are high risk. Obviously, being older adults, they're a little high risk. So, uh, yeah, fans, coaches, uh, reporters, teammates, they're all a little bit frustrated. And you could tell from Francisco Lindor's comments after the game. You can tell from Adam Plutko's comments after the game that this really affected them. As a team, this affected them. They had a team meeting. They had a players-only meeting out in left field. Um, and Hamilton said that it was very animated. So, yeah. It, it definitely affected the game last night. Plus, Clevenger was supposed to start. So, Plucko had to make a spot start. It kind of turned into somewhat of a bullpen game because Plucko's arm isn't stretched out, even though we'll talk about Plucko because he pitched pretty good. But it definitely affected the game. And I, to get up on a high horse just for a second, to get on a soapbox just for a second, like... We get it, right? We've all had moments during this pandemic where we've felt tempted or we we stretched our own rules a little bit. You know, maybe it started with, uh, you know, we had a campfire in the backyard. Maybe we invited a friend or two over and we just sat around a campfire, right? Socially distanced and we just sat around a campfire. And then it was, let's just go sit on someone's porch. We'll go over, we'll bring our own food. We'll go sit on someone's porch because you, you needed some kind of human an interaction. You were craving it, right? So we all decided what was safe for us, and we went and we did those things throughout this pandemic. Well, so you understand a little bit that Clevenger and Plesak, right? They're looking for a little normalcy. Plesak wants to see his friends maybe, but they're also getting paid now because salaries have been cut, maybe not millions, but a lot of money, a lot more than me and you make to play probably the greatest game that we have out there, in my opinion. And all they have to do is just be responsible for their teammates for like three months, right? For their teammates, for their coaching staffs, for the people that are working so hard to keep them safe, to test them every day. All they have to do is stay safe and follow the rules and, you know, socially distance and wear their masks and, and just, just play baseball, just play baseball for three months and give us a little bit of a season. And hopefully next year, it, everything would ret will return to normal. But, you know, that's, that's, that's all they have to do. And uh, Lindor and Plutko talked about it, being selfless, being there for your teammates. And we all have to be a little selfless right now. So, yeah, if, if, if the players hadn't have said what they said about it, I wouldn't be talking about it right now. But it clearly affected the game last night. 
All right, so let's talk a little bit about the game last night. Let's get into what this podcast is about, watching baseball being played. I asked you guys on Twitter before the game, I put a poll up there to say, you know, do you still care about the Chicago Cubs coming to town? Does it still feel like a rivalry from the 2016 World Series? And you guys were pretty resounding on Twitter. 75% of you said, no, just another game. Okay, just another game. I, I do think it's interesting to look at the rosters because the Cubs... The Cubs actually retained uh, a lot of players from that World Series team. I mean, I believe, without the exception of Addison Russell and Dexter Fowler, I think seven of their nine position players, starters from that team, yeah, are still there. Schwarber and Hayward in the outfield, Rizzo, Bryant, and Baez on the infield, Contreras catching. Uh, the two starting pitchers we're going to face in this short s- series, this two-game series, were both starters on that World Series team, Lester and Hendricks. So, yeah. So, for the Cubs, it does feel like they retained a lot of that core from the 2016 World Series team. For the Indians, you feel it around the infield, but that's about it. I mean, Perez is hurt, but Jan Gomes and Perez were the catchers. You still have Lindor, Ramirez, and Carrasco, but Napoli. forgot Napoli was on that team. He's gone. Obviously, Kipnis is in the opposite uniform, and the outfield's completely different. That outfield was Lonnie Chisholm, Coco Chris, Rajay Davis, Brandon Geyer, and Tyler Naquin, who did make his return last night. And the pitchers, you forget about that. It was a completely different bullpen. Cody Allen. Jeff Manship, Zach McAllister, Andrew Miller, Dan Otero, Danny Salazar, Brian Shaw, Tomlin was on that team, pitched, uh, I believe he started a few games in that World Series. So, yeah, for the Indians, it, it does feel a little different. It feels like we're on to a new team for the Cleveland Indians. All right, so what happened last night? How did it all go down? We were facing John Lester. He gets the win. He goes six innings, three hits, one earned run, two walks, and four strikeouts. For the Indians, it's Adam Plutko. He gets a loss, goes to one and one on the season. He pitched four innings, four hits, one earned run, one walk, and two strikeouts. And I got to be honest, for a guy who's not completely stretched out because he hadn't started, he hadn't pitched in almost like he had one appearance in like the last two weeks or something like that. I got to say, Plutko, it was a it was a pretty good spot start. It was basically all you could ask for. I mean, he threw 78 pitches, 49 for strikes. So he's thrown over 60% strikes. Lester was pounding the strike zone, 93 pitches, 61 were strikes. So both guys are out there pounding the strike zone. And the Cubs, it just felt like everything the Cubs were doing on offense, that they were just hitting the ball hard, right? I listened to Hamilton a lot last night. And every call he made, it just sounded like the Cubs were hitting the ball hard and maybe the Indians weren't. The Indians did have some threats, though. The Indians even threaded in the first inning. We got we had two guys on. We had uh, Francisco Lindor single on a ball deep in the hole to Javi Baez. If Javi Baez makes the throw, it's a great play. But Lindor singles. Carlos Santana walks because, of course, he's Carlos Santana. He's on an AL record pace, even though with 60 games he can never get there. But Fermil Reyes strikes out swinging. It was a breaking ball that was down, down, down low at the toes. And Fermil Reyes swung over it. And that ends the threat. The Cubs do get their first run in the second inning on a Jason Hayward single right up the middle. It was just a perfect line drive swing from Jason Hayward. 
And Jason Hayward, this is not the only damage he will do against us on the day. We will get into Jason Hayward in a little bit more detail in a second. But Flacco gets him to ground into a double play. Victor Caratini, who is DHing for them last night, gets him to ground into a double, double play. Actually, a really athletic double play from Jose Ramirez. He picks up the ground ball, steps on third base, and in stride, throws across his body to first. An easy one-hop for Carlos Santana. Great defensive play from Jose Ramirez. Then we do a little bit of nothing, a little bit of nothing. Adam Plutko gives up a double to Jason Kipnis in his first at-bat. Fun to watch him tip his hat to the fans that weren't there. But it was, oh, come on. We all like Jason Kipnis. I know he wasn't an all-star level player his whole career, but, hey, he gave us a few seasons. And he was here for, he was kind of a fixture for the, for the 2000 teens when you think about this Indians team. He doubles, but Plucko shuts the Cubs down after that. So, like I said, Plucko was battling out there. He was really fighting. He got into some trouble, gets another double play in the fourth inning. In the bottom of the fourth, the Indians threaten again. Carlos Santana doubles. Carlos Santana is swinging the bat well. We will take a look at that in a second. Fermil Reyes walks, but then they get Luplo to fly out and Domingo Santana to ground out to end the threat. So, we did threaten a couple of times, right? We had opportunities to go up on these Cubs, to put a hurting on John Lester. And we just couldn't come through. And then we get into the sixth inning. Oliver Perez had pitched the fifth. He had pitched great. We get into the sixth inning. Cam Hill comes in, and this is Cam Hill's first really bad inning. And I'm really I'm really frustrated with Terry Francona that he didn't take Cam Hill out of this game sooner. Like, you could just feel the energy. You could hear it on the radio. You could just feel that Cam Hill had absolutely uh, no clue where the ball was going, and he was not going to get anybody out. He walks Chris Bryant. He does get Anthony Rizzo to fly out to center field to the line of the shields. Was that the line of the shields sliding catch? No, I think that came in the third inning. Chris Bryant, yeah, because Jason Kipnis was on uh, second base. So Chris Bryant flew out the line of the shields, made a really good sliding catch. But now in the sixth inning, uh, he gets Rizzo. Javi Baez then singles Chris Bryant to second. He hits Kyle Schwarber, loads the bases. He gets Contreras to sack fly. Okay, you 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 feel like okay they 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 deserve that run, right? We walked a guy, we hit a guy, we put the guys on base. They get their sack fly, they get the run. And I'm thinking it's I'm thinking get him out of the game. Like Contreras was not a weak sack fly. I'm thinking get him out of the game. He leaves him in the game. Ian Happ singles up the middle, past a diving Lindor. Uh, Javi Baez scores. Kyle Schwarber moves up to third. Then they finally take him out of the game. And it was it was two batters too late. He should have taken him out after he hit Schwarber. And I know you don't want to bring a guy in with the bases loaded, but it was not going to be Cam Hill's night. All the momentum was against him. They should have taken him out. They left him in two batters too long, and the Indians paid for it. They go up 3-0. Then they bring in Phil Mayton. That's right. I paid attention last night. If you add a Y in there, that's how you pronounce the name. At least that's the way Hamilton says it. So Phil Mayton comes in to replace Cam Hill and gives up a home run to Jason Hayward. It wasn't a terrible pitch. It was a curveball, a breaking ball that was down and in. It was towards his knees. It wasn't exactly where Sandy Leon was calling for it. He was calling it for more down and away. But it was it was in a strike. It was not a strike. It was down and in, and Hayward went down and got it. And looking at Jason Hayward's heat map for the 2020 season, he surprisingly got some red going in that 
in that zone down by his feet, down by his knees, the way inside bottom corner of the zone. If you look at the 10 by 10 map, now obviously right down the middle, he's red hot and uh, middle down, he's hot. But surprisingly, he's he's got some red all the way in that bottom left corner when you're looking at the, the pitcher view. So there's something about this season. It's not like that for his career, but something about this season, he is going down and getting that inside pitch down at his knees, down at his toes. And that's exactly where camp, uh, where uh, Phil Maiden threw that ball. So, uh, yeah. So uh, this season for Jason Hayward, that's working. And, of course, it's Jason Hayward. Of course. I, he's the one that made the big speech that rallied the Cubs during the rain delay to win the World Series. So, of course, it's Jason Hayward who does the damage to us on this night. I feel like that guy is going to haunt the Indians for the rest of his career. Luckily, he's in the NL, so we do not have to see him that much. The Indians do answer in the sixth. All right, it's good to see him answer, but, you know, when it was 3 nothing, an answer, a one-run answer would be fine. When it's 6 nothing, a one-run answer doesn't really cut it. Francisco Lindor was hit by a pitch. Uh, Carlos Santana lined out. It sounded like deep to center field. It sounds like he really made Ian Happ work for that one. So Santana is kind of locked in hitting the ball right now. And then Vermeil Reyes with a big double to right center field. It's the spot we all expect Vermeil Reyes to go, even though we looked at the spray chart and it's not necessarily always like that. But it feels like since he became an Indian, it's right center field. He just missed a home run. It kind of one hop the fence for a double. Brings Francisco Lindor in to score. Luplo flies out to end the threat. And uh, Logan Allen then comes in to pitch in the seventh inning. And basically, they were like, look, Logan Allen, we're not using any more pitchers. You're going to finish this game no matter what happens. He ended up throwing 63 pitches on the night. Not terrible. Three innings, four hits, one earned run, two walks, and a strikeout. I mean, for your first appearance of the season after just being called up, not terrible. However, he did throw a wild pitch, and it allowed Jason Kipnis to come in from third to score. That's the final run for the Cubs, and that's how we get our final. Cubs 7, Indians 1. Cubs do it on 11 hits. Indians only 4 hits. And uh, watching Allen pitch, he, uh, he actually reminds me a little bit of watching John Lester pitch. They're both a little bit thicker lefties, right? Kind of stocky guys. And although it looks like Logan Allen got himself into a little better shape during this, uh, you know, layoff while he's been working out there in Lake County and their arm slot seems similar. They're just, their delivery seems similar. And if you're going to model yourself off a lefty, off a stocky lefty, Lester is not a bad guy to model yourself off of. I would actually recommend that Allen watches a little bit of tape on John Lester because, Lester has been a very, very effective pitcher in his career. And uh, yeah, it, it could be it could be a good comparison for Allen, someone to model himself after to see how to dominate as a left-hander. Now, I was wondering, does Lester dominate the Indians, right? And looking at his career against the Indians, he is seven and three. So he's got a 700 win percentage, but it's not the most dominant of any team he's faced. He's 17 starts against us. He's got a 2.97 ERA, so pretty good, 109 innings. He's got 101 strikeouts to 30 walks. He's averaging 8.3 strikeouts per nine innings against us and a 3.37 strikeouts to walk ratio. 
So I wouldn't say he dominates us, but he definitely pitches well against us. The Indians definitely have a hard time with John Lester. Now, the team he dominates is the Phillies. He's 8-1 against the Phillies with a 1.92 ERA. He's got a whip just above one, nine strikeouts per nine innings, and 4.38 strikeouts per walk. So if you want to know a team that John Lester dominates, it's the Phillies. Looking at the box score for the Indians, and there's not much going on here. Like I said, only four hits. Famille Reyes with two hits and a walk really was the, the big standout offensively. He's got his average up actually to 262. His OPS is still a little low for a power hitter, for a guy that should be slugging for a high percentage. It's only at 707, but I got to say a 262 batting average for Famille Reyes isn't, isn't terrible. Like we could live with that. If he was slugging, if he gets that slugging percentage up, uh, we could live with a 262 batting average. Carlos Santana had the double. He also had a couple of hard hit balls for outs, and he walked again. So it feels like Carlos Santana is starting to turn things around, and it sounded like his double, he went to right field with his double, but this is off a left-handed pitcher, so he's batting from the right side of the plate. So it's an opposite field double for Santana. And looking at Santana's spray charts, this is since he came back to the Indians. So this is the numbers from the 2019 and 2020 seasons combined. And I'm looking at first left-handed pitching, and I'm looking at first right-handed pitching. And versus left-handed pitching, Carlos Santana does spray the ball around. His home runs are evenly distributed throughout the outfield. His doubles are evenly distributed. He's got a couple kind of grouped together down the left field line. So obviously he turned on a couple pitches there. But he kind of sprays that ball around, and his singles are spread out. Usually you see the singles cluster together more than the extra base hits, but his singles are spread out. So he definitely uses the whole field when he's batting from the right side of the plate. When he's batting from the left side of the plate, it's it's pretty pull-happy. His singles tend to be towards center and right field. His home runs are definitely towards right center and right field, so he definitely turns on the ball as a left-handed hitter and drives it out there. And... Yeah, a lot of his doubles are out there, too. So, I think Carlos Santana is at his best when he's using the whole field. He does have some doubles in his singles to left center field from the left side of the plate. And I really think that opens up a lot of potential for Carlos Santana when he can spray to the whole field. And I'll probably preach that to a lot of guys, right? If I were coaching anybody in hitting, I would say use the whole field. That's what it's there for. That's what all those gaps are there for. And so he did it last night. He seems to do it when he's hitting right-handed, and he gets pull-happy when he's hitting left-handed. So it's something we're going to have to keep an eye on. As a left-handed batter, can he start using more of the whole field, go up the middle more, uh, and get that batting average up? and get it get back to what he was doing last year that made him such a dominant hitter. So uh, that is our kind of deep dive for statistically for the game yesterday. MVP for a day, I'm giving it to Adam Pletko. Like I said, in a spot start, he only went four innings, took the loss, but it was a strong spot start. I, I got to give credit where credit is due. He battled. The Indians induced three double plays on the day to get out of some jams. So that's big from the defense to kind of pick up Plutko, who is battling out there. 
and for what he said after the game, and for taking a stance. You don't think of Adam Plucko as a leader on this team just because he kind of hasn't broken out like some of our other starters have broken out. Obviously, he's kind of the number six starter right now, and he might he might get passed by. He might get passed by by all these rookies. He might become just a bullpen guy, have a career like Zach McAllister where he bounces back and forth from the bullpen to the spot starting, back to the bullpen. But for him to stand there at the podium last night and speak like a team leader and talk about what happened with Clevenger and Plesak and what it meant to these players, he gets the MVP for the day for uh, not only his performance on the field, but the character he showed off the field. So, uh, yeah, we'll see what the Indians can do tomorrow against the Cubs. I don't love these two-game series. It just it feels incomplete. You know, if the Indians even it up, it'll feel like we need one more to decide it. So hopefully the Indians could do that. It's a 6-10 start, so pay attention to your start times because they're all over the place this season. Don't tune in at 7 o'clock. You'll miss the first three innings. It's going to be Hendricks going for the Cubs and Carrasco taking the mound for the Indians. And you know that this Indians team is 100% behind Carlos Carrasco. And a lot of the spirit of this team comes from Carlos Carrasco. So we'll see with him on the mound, can the offense back him up? and do what they need to do, and even this series back out. So that's all my thoughts. Thanks for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning. Again, the final from Cleveland, it's the Chicago Cubs 7, your Cleveland Indians 1. We'll be back tomorrow to cover Carrasco. You can follow me on Twitter at Davey Barris. You can now email the show at clevelandbaseballmornings at gmail.com. If you're not great at Twitter, like me, you can email the show. Let me know your thoughts on the game, and we'll discuss them on the show. This, I want this to be a show by a fan for fans, which means I need fan comments. So if you're out there, if you're one of our listeners out there, send me an email. Hit me up on Twitter. Also, I'm hosting this podcast on Anchor. So if you go to anchor.fm forward slash Cleveland Baseball Mornings, you can leave a voicemail for the show, and we'll play them back on air. We'll respond to your thoughts, and we'll have a fun conversation amongst the fans about baseball. So thanks again for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning. <laughs>